You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Have you caught a dose of FCS fever? Welcome to the FCS Fever Podcast, a part of the Aaron Torres Media Feed. Now, here's your host of the FCS Fever Podcast, Jeff Colhane. All right, let's fire it up. Let's get it going. Welcome in, everyone. Another edition of the FCS Fever Podcast. My name is Jeff Colhane. As we move one round deeper, one round closer to the ultimate prize of an FCS National Championship, eight teams left playing vying for the ultimate crown and we have some fun matchups here this weekend across the board four quarterfinal round matchups and we we think i mean we have the best eight teams left i realize sacramento state the four seed uh, had a great year big sky regular season conference champions but is anyone surprised by the outcome in sacramento california late last saturday night No, I don't think that's the case. And there's some fun storylines, fun angles along those lines. How often do you talk about a seeded team hosting a playoff game as an underdog? Doesn't happen a ton overall, but it is a part of this weekend in the quarterfinals of FCS college football. We'll dive into that. Jay Sandos, a return visitor and friend of the podcast, will stop by. What a season for ETSU. The Buccaneers out of East Tennessee State, head coached by Randy Sanders. It is a a fun, I don't dare call it a Cinderella story because I think it's bigger and better than that. They're not a team that, you know, is out of coming out of nowhere. They're a top eight seed, but their program has a Cinderella-esque type feel for it. What am I talking about? Jay will tell us about it and let us know here coming up later on in the pod. But it was great to see, as you get to this time of the year, the finalists for the big-time individual awards around the world of FCS college football, the Walter Payton Award for the top offensive player in the country, the Buck Buchanan Award for the top defensive player in the country, and a big shout-out to Craig Haley, all the voters that uh, vote on these awards, follow the FCS as closely as they do. Craig Haley from Stats Perform, uh, providing and, and putting a lot of, if not all of the legwork in behind the scenes on making these awards and these banquets what they are year in and year out. The Walter Payton Award is a coveted award. Obviously, there's a little bit of a Heisman Trophy feel to this one, and you've got three young men that are very qualified and are guys that could all win the award. There's no question. I'll start with Eric Berrier. If you listen to me back in October, I had called this one off. I had said, look, 
No offense to any of the other stars out there, but Eric Berrier would get my vote to win the Walter Payton Award as the top offensive player in the country. He has had an unbelievable season. He was on full display last weekend in a loss at Montana. He threw the football 80 times, folks. 80 times. Just a fun guy to watch play. And one of the all-time greats at Eastern Washington. Had an amazing career there at EWU. Eric Berrier, a finalist. The returning Walter Payton Award winner, Cole Kelly, out of southeastern Louisiana. I think Kelly has had a tremendous season as well. You look at his numbers, they are absolutely through the roof. And his career wrapped up uh, this past weekend out in Harrisonburg at James Madison. And then a guy I'll get to see up close and personal this weekend, star running back from ETSU, Quay Holmes, has had an amazing year. He's rushed for over 1,500 yards, around 2,000 all-purpose yards on the season, can catch the ball out of the backfield. Quay Holmes is a dynamic player when you talk about the world of FCS college football. Uh, a guy that, you know, plenty of guys. You can look at who should have got in, who should have been left out. Cole Johnson at James Madison had an amazing year. Uh, Pierre Strong Jr., you could argue, is the best player in the country at our level with what he has done from the running back position at South Dakota State. But not going to harp on any of that. You've got three very deserving young men who will be in Frisco uh, with, with this banquet coming up uh, on January the 7th in Frisco, Texas. How about the Buck Buchanan Award winners? Two from the Treasure State. They know how to play football in Montana. Troy Anderson has a Paul Bunyan-like quality to him with his career at Montana State. He has played nearly every position. He played a quarterback. He was a Big Sky Offensive Player of the Year at quarterback. He, he's he's done everything. Uh, I mean, he's he served uh, concessions. He's been out, uh, you know, making the popcorn, doing everything. All those funny lines, right? Troy Anderson is a guy that, wow, they are going to be probably writing stories about him in the state of Montana somewhere down the line and has a great chance to play in the National Football League as well. Florida A&M's Isaiah Land has had an amazing season. You look at his numbers, 25.5 TFLs, 19 sacks, leads the FCS in those categories. Amazing the SWAC Defensive Player of the Year, and Patrick O'Connell spearheads a very, very feisty and nasty Montana defense. A tremendous player in his own right. So Troy Anderson, Isaiah Land, and Patrick O'Connell, finalist for the Buck Buchanan Award here this season in 2021. So congratulations to all those young men all tremendous players, student-athletes. You had Troy Anderson in Vegas earlier in the week who was a finalist for the Campbell Trophy, the academic Heisman in college football. That's a big boy honor there. Uh, really cool as well. So pretty impressive, and uh, congratulations again to those young men. Well, big-time matchup. Uh, all these games are big-time matchups this time of year, but it is an intriguing one as East Tennessee State's uh, their program's best season uh, in the history of the school coming to Fargo for the first time to take on the two-seed in North Dakota State, and we have a repeat visitor to the FCS Fever Pod. That's Jay Sandos, the play-by-play voice at ETSU. Great to talk to you again, my friend. Uh, we're excited to have you up here in Fargo this weekend. As we, we talked moments ago, riding the wave, having a blast, enjoying this thing is what it's all about right now, and obviously coming up here and grabbing a win would be a huge part of that. Describe the excitement level around Johnson City with what this ETSU team has accomplished this season 
Uh, it, I mean, let me let me just start with this, Jeff. First, thanks for having me again. But North Dakota State has eight championships, which is more than seasons played since ETSU's had football back, which is seven. So you're riding <laughs> again something that's just just almost laughable. Nine years ago, I remember talking to Carl Torbush when they were going to have walk-on tryouts, and he goes out to the field, and we go to record it. And he gets out there, and the players are there. And I'll never forget this. He turns and looks to the three assistant coaches we had at the time. He said, hey, where's the uh, whistles? Uh, Coach, what do you mean? We don't have whistles? Uh, Coach, we don't have a football. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I ran over to intramurals <laughs> and got cones and football and borrowed a whistle from the referee kit just, just to even have walk-on trouts nine years ago. So to be in this spot, where we are now and in the city and the community, which wanted the football back so bad after the 12, 13 year hiatus of not having it. Everyone is just on a, on a different level. I mean, you go places and things that you, you normally don't see that have ETSU stuff on it has ETSU stuff on it. The watch parties are, are there just the amount of uh, blue and gold that are on businesses and where all the t-shirt and stuff you can buy is, is just incredible. And then just to, to feel the energy from just the media and the newspaper and listen to radio call-in shows and everything, this is just something that when you wanted to bring it back, this was sort of the hope. And I'd be lying to you after living through the first several years of football and losing the division, you know, three schools, I was like, man, what are we doing? Like, should we even brought it back? And to see the slow turn to get to the playoffs in 2018 and then, you know, to get a national seed host, win obviously in dramatic fashion and, and when you get a chance to to play, you know the for for SEC country down here, right? It's Alabama, so they know that, and certainly they know North Dakota State being better than that at the FCS level. I think they're just excited to be in the same conversation. And the question is, will the team be excited just to be in the same conversation, or you know, will they be overwhelmed in what they could run into? Uh, at that level, but the fan base, the community, this just means so much. And, you know, I, I told somebody today, I did another interview and I was like, you know, it's one of these things where I know there's an ending, whether it's Saturday or it's January 8th, there, there is an ending at some point And it just stinks because right now everything's on such a high and such a, uh, just a great note and, and just a great thing to be a part of right now. Jay, let people know why the program went away back in 2003 and then what spurred it on to come back and start again in 2015 in the first season back. Yeah, the, the brief history lesson, and, and I brushed up just in, in the past uh, couple years, actually, to make sure I had this historically right. I, I actually did the year of basketball before that. My first year of football, unbeknownst to me, was going to be the last year of the football program, so I did the, the death march with it. And the big thing was is how ETSU was funding athletics. It was a bit uh, backwards, and everyone was fundraising for themselves. There was no collective group that was raising money. And ETSU and the academic side was having to spit out a little over a million dollars a year just to keep football afloat. And at some point in time, with just the way finances were back then, ETSU didn't have a student athletic fee, so it was pure fundraising at the core, ticket sales, core for, uh, partners, you know, donations from individuals, but it, it just wasn't enough to sustain. And so ultimately the tough decision was made, well, well we're either going to fold the whole athletic department or we're going to be able to at least, you know, see if everybody else can survive. And what came from that 
and I, I would never have thought this was ETSU. It actually allowed them to regroup over the next several years to restructure how they wanted to fundraise, to get the programs and facilities. That was another thing. ETSU, 1979, finished the mini-dome. They didn't build anything new on campus uh, until past football was dropped, which 2004 was a golf practice facility, but nobody plays there. So if you fast-forward a few more years to 2008, the soccer facility was built. Then they built baseball. Then they built softball. Then they were able to get a, the downtown arena was able to uh, – convert itself into a, a basketball arena for ETSU as opposed to ETSU playing in a dome similar to what you guys got uh, there in the Fargo Dome. That's where we were playing basketball at. Wow. And then once they got kind of that fixed, then President Nolan came in, and the first thing he heard from everybody when he took the presidency was, hey, when you bring a football back. And at some point in time, after two or three years of that, he's like, hey, well, well, what do we have to do? And so basically he went and talked to the SGA and – said, look, if we're going to do this, we have to have student support. we got to have a student fee. we got to be able to get money we know is coming in, and it won't all go to football. It'll go to other things. It's not all that, but we need money from the athletic department to help this, and let's see what we got. And the student government actually voted it in. The student body, I think at the time, like all students, you know, when you, when you put a tax, if you will, on people, they don't like it, right? So uh, the regular student body didn't want to vote for it, but the SGA was like, this is better for the schools, so we're going to vote it in. So they voted it in, and then ETSU was able to start fundraising. They got Philip Fulmer, the, the national championship coach from the 1998 Tennessee Volunteers just down the road, and his connection to football to help get the right people in East Tennessee, rather than Knoxville, east of where we're located, 90 miles from there, to get some money players involved that believe in him, and he put his name to it. That was huge, and to have him hire a coach. And then from there – Get Scott Carter, who is our athletic director, who is a fundraiser at Tennessee, who's an ETSU grad, a former fullback, get him to try to raise money for the stadium. And we thought it would take probably five or six years to get to $26 million, and we actually got it sooner and, and got it built. Uh, and we had to play our first two seasons at a high school stadium, but they're already breaking ground and building the stadium. So we, we were able to sort of fast-track it. And then once we, we brought it back, the, the people have come and attended the games, and that's that's part one, right, getting the ticket sales. Part two was getting the buy-in from the students. We average about 3,000 students per game. They've shown up since it's been back. The tailgating scene is what you would imagine from any, uh, you know, college uh, atmosphere, just getting all those folks back. But it's it's been a, a faster build than what I think people had. But I'll say this, it was gone long enough that, that it almost skipped a generation, so you couldn't have the apathy for it. I remember I grew up an ETSU fan. I'm a third-generation ETSU graduate. And so when I got to campus, I would show up and I'd be like, hey, guys, you know, everybody going to the game? And they all look at me and go, nobody goes to the game. Mm. I was like, what? And they're like, nobody goes to the game. Well, now it was gone long enough that a whole, you know, 10, 12-year generational change happened, and everybody's like, hey, when are we going to the game? Because that's what you do on Friday night, right? You go to the games and you go Saturday. You go to college, you want that experience. And I think – you know, it worked out perfect that it was gone not too long that it could never be brought back, but it was gone long enough that you almost forgot what it was like and new people didn't understand what it could be, and then you got the perfect mesh of that. And so that's sort of how it all came together. It's, it's just an amazing story, and really I think even Kennesaw State too. I mean, we both, you know, eight, nine years ago didn't have anything, and then to be able to play in 2015 and, you know, we we – I think they had the stadium 
that was gifted to them from a soccer program that gave them a little bit of a head start on ETSU because I don't care how much you can show people like there's rock moving, but it's hard to say there's the stadium we're going to play here. Mm-hmm. And then when you take them to the high school field, it was just hard, I think, the first couple of years to get recruits to buy into that. And once the stadium went down in 2017, well, that's our 2018 recruiting class, which is the Quay Holmes, the Tyree Robinsons, all the, the names of the, the guys that were able to step on campus from day one, help the team get to the playoffs in 2018, and stuck around long enough to get to where we are today. Sort of a perfect storm from a fundraising standpoint, and obviously a little more time for the stadium, but that the way it sounds, it, it came together quicker than what anticipated. And watching games, you guys have a beautiful facility. I mean, you got a great stadium. It, it, it's the one thing that, like, it, it was so tough because playing in the Dome, it, it's one thing to play in a Dome where, where you're located and there could be, you know, sub-freezing temperatures. There's another thing when you would play in, August at, at you know 88 degrees and you'd be suffocating in the dome. So that was part of part of the problem why I think people didn't want to go to watch a football game in the dome. Now when it was pouring down rain, trust me, nobody complained about being in the dome, right? They were all happy we had a dome. But having it placed in the campus and where they put it in the campus, which honestly was just again another happy accident of everything falling together, it fell in the one place where you could fill the field down, leave the stands up. And then you could still see the mountains. So you don't see, you see a little bit of the top of the campus, but basically fans that are, you know, sitting up a little bit more, you can actually see the mountains and stuff. And of course, you get a chance to 2024 see it for yourself, but it's just a breathtaking view. And, you know, putting the grassy hill, that was a big conversation that I think they didn't realize would be a big hit, but just not putting seats in the one end zone and leaving it sort of a standing room only, bring a blanket, let your family come sit on the hill. And that's been a huge selling point for to get our uh, attendance from you know basically the 8,400 of the hard seats to getting it to 10.5 where we can get an extra you know 1,500 2,000 people in there. Jay Sandals with us, ETSU at North Dakota State Saturday, uh, main ESPN platform for the quarterfinals as uh, the Bucks and the Bison go head to head, and then enter Randy Sanders. Right, what has his uh, addition meant to this program? I think just the winning attitude that that he has, and and you know he was uh, a player at Tennessee for Johnny Majors, a longtime assistant. He was Peyton Manning's quarterback coach. He was offense coordinator and Jameis Winston's quarterback coach. He's won a couple of BCS national, the first actually won the first and last, ironically BCS national championship that they had at that level. And even when he went to Kentucky, he was setting records offensively, and I I think the one thing he did in 2018 was he came in and said, here's my system, and you're going to drink through a fire hose, and I don't care, we're going to play that system. Well, he had a bunch of seniors in 2018 with a good mix of the best recruiting class we've had, which is the, the senior class right now, but he had a good mix of guys who had been losing for four years, and they were so hungry for winning that they just, you know, kind of willed themselves to win, Bought even in. though they're running – and, and they're running wrong plays. That was the funny part. He's like, I'm calling plays. They're running stuff I've never even seen, but we're winning games. Like, <laughs> it was one of those. Then 2019, the injuries, and this is where I think his uh, – I, I think it's taken this long to appreciate sort of his genius of his vision for the program. 2019, you have like six quarterbacks play. Like, it's the, the exact opposite of the winning formula. And then where you 
kind of pulled out miracle wins in 2018. You invented ways to lose in 2019 that you just can't even fathom. That's how you would lose games. And I remember talking to coach. I'm like, well, you know, you got all these different quarterbacks here. Why don't you try to, you know, simplify it, run it down? And he just looked at me like I was speaking a different language. And I was like, listen, buddy, we've got, here's our system. We're going to run it. And this is how we're going to win games. Well, Tyler Rydell in 2019 played four games and then played some last year. Now he's still a redshirt freshman because of all the crazy COVID stuff. But because of that, now they're running plays in games where they haven't repped it in two or three weeks or hadn't even talked about it. But coach will go to the sideline and say, hey, do you guys remember this play? Or, hey, if we do this, can we run this play out of this set we've never ran before? And the guys are understanding the system. And none of that happens without – 2019, basically, ETSU taking their lumps and him not wilting on to get the program where we want it to be. This is how we have to do it. And so I, I think that's really what, what he's brought to it. And I think maybe underscored is Billy Taylor, who's a former ETSU player, was a defense coordinator when football was dropped. They brought him back when they, when they got it back. And his just love of ETSU and his stories and some of the motivational things that he can give the the players, I, I think, on the defensive side, I think is certainly uh, one of those things that it maybe flies under the radar just a little bit. Jay Sandoz with us, ETSU play-by-play man here on the pod. Quay Holmes, Walter Payton Award finalist. What makes this young man a special player when you've watched him? Man, I think it's just just his – first thing I would say is his vision. I think he really sees everything – and knows, okay, when to stretch out something, when to put his foot in the ground and get north. There are certain games I've, I've asked him, I'm like, man, you could have cut up and got more yards. And, you know, he'll say, well, listen, this type game, it was more important for us to have the ball longer. So we only needed a three, four yard run. I didn't need to get a 20 yard run. I needed to keep the offense doing this. And then there's times he puts on the afterburners that you didn't know he had, and he outruns people, but he's so versatile in the run game that you almost forget last week he showed out again in the pass game, but he's a very talented pass catcher. And then the last thing, he's just a winner. I mean, when Jacob Saylor's broke his single season um, or single game rushing record, he had a lead block on three of the long touchdown runs. <laughs> and so it, it's one of those situations where I think they try to, he's our all-time lead scorer. That's before he broke the record. And coach was like, hey, you know, we got a big turnover, had a two-yard line. You want to go in there, Quay, finish it off? He's like, no, nah, Jacob's had a better game than me. He deserves it. You know, and he lets Jacob go score a touchdown. I mean, it's just he doesn't care. He He's one of one of those guys I think everybody would like to, to play with because he just does whatever you ask him to do uh, to win. And I think he has a very high football acumen, IQ, whatever word you want to use there. But he just knows when, you know, when do you need to try to make a big play and when do you need to just, just throttle it down and, and make sure you get a first down and churn some more clock when it comes down to that point of the game? You know, what makes the playoffs a lot of fun is the opportunity to um, play against different teams. Obviously, first time ever, NDSU, ETSU. But then learning about the programs like we are right now and learning about the players. And Jared Falks is the first ever NCAA student-athlete that is in an eighth year of eligibility. I can't. I, I haven't done anything consistently for eight minutes, Jay. How, how is this guy still playing football at 26 years of age in college? It's pretty impressive. It's it's a fun story. 
Well, the, the the first thing is you have to have some really two horrific injuries. So if you can if you can uh, you know uh, have those injuries, that that's number one because you have to get sort of a du- a double medical um, red shirt. Then you have to have a COVID year. So you have to have sort of three things happen that are a little bit out of the norm. And then of course with the the rules have changed on on red shirting. You can play a few games and then you know get get red shirted when when that happened at the end of the Temple run, but. The, the funny thing that he brings up, and this was his stat, not mine, but at one time I asked him a question, and he stopped me mid-sentence. He goes, do you realize when I was a freshman at Temple in 2014, everybody else, the freshmen, were in fifth grade? And I was like, holy cow. Like, that didn't even seem possible, right? Like, you're a freshman in college, and you eventually play with fifth graders in college. Wow. Like, I, I just – I don't know, but he, he's he's – lived up and, and sort of bought into the, he's the old man, he's the uncle or the papal or, or whatever. I, I joke with him that he's got tenure so he can take a sabbatical from practice if he wants to, or, or take some time <laughs> off. I think one time he was standing on the sideline and I asked him, I said, Jared, buddy, I said, he ain't been in there for a few reps and, and just kind of thinking I was going to rib him a little bit. And he looked at me, he goes, man, I'm 25 years old. And they're asking me to play a lot of plays. I think I'm gonna sit a few of these practice reps out. <laughs> I just start laughing. And I said, "But, but he's like a coach. I mean, if you if you get a chance to interview him or talk to him, you think you're talking to one of the coaches because he is a great repeater of the message. And you know, when he first got here, he wasn't that vocal, and he he admits he felt out of place because you know he came from Temple and that's in Philadelphia, and they played at Lincoln Financial, and there's a lot of things to do if you're a college kid out in Philadelphia. Well, then you come to Johnson City, and there's only one or two things to do. Uh, and, you know, you you could have, and I think he put it, you know, you have 10,000 Lincoln Financial. Well, that looks like 14 people. Well, you get 10,000 at ETSU Stadium, and they're on top of the field, sort of like your sidelines North Dakota State's kind of, I mean, your fans are there. So it's a, just a different atmosphere. And then he's just grown to appreciate sort of the, the, as he calls it, the slow living, right? Just sort of that country lifestyle, non-big city, non-traffic. And I think he's just sort of um, gotten to the point where, you know, I think if he, you know, depending on where his next path takes him in the coaching world, I believe he'd like to go in. But, you know, this is one of those places he's like, you know, I could come back here and spend the rest of my life and just find a regular job. That He's just bought into the community. And like a lot of sort of blue-collar work areas, you know, when you get a guy – talking about that and talking about the love for the area, then it's so easy for the fan base, not just because they've known him for a long time, but it's so easy for the fan base just to gravitate towards him. But it's it's not lost on him either, the fact that, that he's he's had this eight years and and, and kind of knew and he's done a ton of interviews on it. And I think, you know, in a in a way it's it's kinda humbled him on just the opportunity that he has had to to play this long and be able to still play meaningful games. Uh, in his last year. Jay Sandoz with us. Last question for you, sir, and appreciate the time as always, uh, of course. Um, I, I look at this game Saturday between these two teams, and ETSU has to weather the storm early is, is kind of the feel I get because if you can hang around with what you have done this season, winning five games trailing in a close contest at the end of the third quarter, maybe that's when you become a confident team Overall, how would you assess that the chances and the blueprint to a win for ETSU? 100% agree. Uh, I talked about it on our own podcast that we're, we're going to put out um, either late today or first thing tomorrow, but that was the, the first point I made to the Buck fans was like, look, <laughs> in these situations, number one, 
you know, it can get downhill quick, and especially in an environment that's a little a little different than you you've been at. And and most of the ETSU players, the last couple FBS games have been Vanderbilt. And and again, no offense to Vanderbilt, but they're they're not really packing the house. And so the last time you would have played in front of a significant crowd would have been 103,000 in Neyland Stadium against Tennessee. And ETSU actually got off to a, to a pretty good start in that contest. And then midway second quarter had a lightning delay. And then Tennessee come out in a little blitzkrieg of 21 point block punt touchdown. All of a sudden, it just it just kind of snowballed on you. Well, I, I think it's a similar thing here. I think if ETSU comes out and all of a sudden the first two drives for North Dakota State is you know 14 points on the board, then I think it could get downhill and, and you can't quite recover from that in that environment. Uh, so I, I think the start of the game is just imperative for ETSU, just a one maybe even prove to themselves that they belong in the game, right? I think sometimes, you know, I guess there's a there's a quote about why it's tough to beat the Yankees. It's because people see them in their stripes, right? And it's just off the bat, the aura of that, or Alabama, North Coast State, same thing. The aura of North Dakota State is real. And you've seen – you personally have seen many teams come in there that are good and get overwhelmed early, and then it's lights out. And that's certainly something that could happen – TTSU, and so the big thing is I think they would have to just make sure they don't have an awful start. The second thing is I think they have to manufacture when you're on the road and you're playing a, a, a team of that caliber, you have to manufacture a little bit of energy, but you also have to try to make sure that you win the turnover battle, you don't make a huge mistake in special teams, and then do what you can to convert some third downs just to A, try to keep the crowd down somewhat, and then the other thing is do what most teams want to do, which is keep the ball away from one of the most potent offenses in FCS. Well, we can't wait to have you up here. We're looking forward to it. It's going to be a fun weekend and uh, all the best and congratulations on just an amazing season and uh, all the success, uh, success that ETSU has uh, had here this year, Jay. Appreciate you. We'll see you up here on Saturday. All right, Jeff. Appreciate the time. I'll see you, my friend. Hey, college football is rolling, and our partners at DraftKings Sportsbook have an incredible offer for college football fans. For new users, bet $1, just $1 on any game, and if your team scores one point, you get $100 in free bets. Yes, you heard that correctly. $1, one game, $100 in free bets. Here's what you do. Click the link in the show description of the FCS Fever podcast, sign up for a new account with DraftKings Sportsbook, and make your first deposit. Make a $1 bet on any team. And if your team scores one point, you get an automatic $100 thanks to our friends at DraftKings. It is the best offer going in sports betting, so act now. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling, and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537 in Illinois. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, or Wyoming. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. Or call text the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789. 21 and older, 18 and older in Wyoming. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming only. Minimum $5 deposit. Minimum $1 wager. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for full terms and conditions. Well, big thanks to Jay Sandoz. That's why we do it, folks. I mean, how how informational was that? How fun was that? Hearing about 
uh, the background on the ETSU program, stopping in 2003, coming back a little over a decade later. Uh, guys like Jared Folks, Quay Holmes, Randy Sanders, his journey uh, through college football and what they have done at ETSU. Tell you what, it's going to be fascinating with some of the programs leaving FCS college football, the JMUs, the Jacksonville States, you know, the Sam Houstons. Can East Tennessee State be one of the programs that rises up to become a, a national presence annually around the world of FCS college football? They have done some amazing things this year, and it feels like they have the people, it feels like they have the fan base and the support in place to start to rise up and be an annual contributor nationally around the world of FCS college football. So a big thanks to Jay Sandals for stopping by. All right, let's get to the games. Let's start with that one, NDSU and ETSU. And like Jay and I talked about, this comes down to ETSU being able to hang around. It's a heavyweight fight. And is ETSU able to step up in weight class and compete? That's going to be the question early. This North Dakota State team. You know, I spent some time in Bozeman, Montana earlier this week with NDSU basketball. Talked to a lot of folks in Montana State that asked, you know, how you guys looking? What's the feel like? Well, the feel is this Bison football team is playing like NDSU football teams that have won these national championships and had these amazing runs and and demanded these high levels of success. They have flipped the switch. They're playing at a high, high level, running the football, controlling tempo, and a dominant defense. And that's what NDSU football has been uh, through the last decade plus. That's the feel right now. That said, can ETSU survive the early swings, a first-time team in the Fargo Dome playing the mighty Bison. Uh, Easier said than done. I think ETSU is in for a tremendous challenge. And Cam Miller, Quincy Patterson, the Rams, the crew chiefs up front for the Bison, and Jackson Hankey Manning, Code Green in the middle, that quarterback of that defense. I think they're going to show ETSU what life is all about inside the Fargo Dome this weekend. The Bison are heavy favorites. I I wouldn't be shocked if we saw a heavy type win on Saturday in front of an ESPN platform crowd on national television. All right, let's go down the line. I tell you what, Montana State uh, going down to Huntsville to play Sam Houston. I don't know if it's good or bad if Incarnate Word nearly won the game last weekend. By the way, congratulations to Eric Morris, who's now the new offensive coordinator at Washington State for uh, former NDSU assistant Jake Dickert, who's the new head coach out there as well. Uh, What Coach Morris did at Incarnate Word was amazing. I had fun with that group, had Coach on the podcast. They had an unbelievable year, and they were seconds away from pulling off the upset at Sam Houston. Does that help Brent Vegan? and Montana State or hurt them. I don't know if it really matters, but maybe it gives Casey Keeler a little bit of juice to refocus his group and get them going. Here's what I know. I know that Sam Houston is very good. I also know that Sam Houston is capable of getting beat in that stadium. It's crazy to say because they've won, what, 23, 24 in a row? But a lot of those games could have gone the other way. You'll wonder if Sam Houston is playing with fire a little bit, even though all the same names that won the spring national championship are back here in the fall. Montana State with Tommy Millett, the freshman quarterback who is now the starter with Matt McCain moving on. 
Does that group have the right feel? Does it have the right vibe? I tell you what, it's going to take guys like Troy Anderson, Isaiah Afonso to make some big plays, turn the football over, create some momentum shifts. I wouldn't be shocked if Montana State won this football game. That being said, I'm going to pick Sam Houston to win the game in a close one, doing what they've done, making big plays late, finding ways to win. All right, is it wild to think that Villanova, the number five seed in the bracket and hosting South Dakota State, is a touchdown underdog in this game on Saturday? No, it's not. And in fact, South Dakota State is the better football team here talent-wise, but do the Jackrabbits have enough left in the tank, enough fuel left if they're going out to Sacramento late Saturday night? Villanova has an extra day of prep. They played Friday night versus Holy Cross. Pull that one out. And now SDSU has to fly out to Philly and play Villanova. And Villanova's heard all week about how they're the underdog and SDSU's the better team. This is going to be a tight game, a tough battle. South Dakota State, for whatever reason, has fought complacency this season as well after their spring success and a trip to Frisco in an international championship. But I think they are the better team. I think SDSU wins the game against Villanova, just has more firepower, more physical along the lines of scrimmage on both sides. South Dakota State wins the game. Then they would have a potential another road trip if Sam Houston wins. That's going to be the big question again asked. Can they keep doing it? Can they keep logging miles and winning games with a team they have in place? And on Friday night, wow, I I can't wait to take a a, a gander at this one. This is going to be big boy football. Expecting an amazing crowd at Bridgeforth Stadium in Harrisonburg, Virginia. It's James Madison in Montana. I watched Montana pull away from Eastern Washington in front of a great crowd in Missoula last Friday night. This should be another unreal atmosphere this Friday night uh, with these two teams going head-to-head. Cole Johnson has been phenomenal. Very easily could have been a Walter Payton Award finalist this season. JMU has the pedigree. They have the confidence. They have been dealing with injuries, but they have the talent and the athletes across the board to handle this game. Montana is a seven-point underdog in this contest. Frankly, I think that's too much. Uh, Watch them, have watched them throughout the year. Bobby Houck has this group believing. He has the pieces in place. Cam Humphrey, a quarterback, is executing well. They've got athletes at wide receiver and in the return game. And their special teams was the difference in the game versus Eastern Washington uh, last weekend. This is going to be an amazing game, and I can't wait to watch it on Friday night. It's a coin flip. I can see either team winning the game. I really could. I would not be shocked either way, which would set up a potential big boy heavyweight matchup in an FCS semifinal in the Fargo Dome taking on North Dakota State. All right, that's going to do it for us. Had a lot of fun. You know the deal. Subscribe, like, comment. Appreciate you. Continuing, we'll move on next week into the semifinal round weekends and continue to let you know how it all shakes out and how it all looks around the world of FCS college football. My name is Jeff Colhay, and you've been locked into the FCS Fever Podcast. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the weekend and enjoy the quarterfinals, everyone. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.